1: head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen.
2: Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William.
1: I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right,
0: welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Coming at you, as always, myself, Brandon, Nick, and Dan are here, but it's not just an ordinary London is Blue podcast episode. That's right. We have a guest, Clayton Beerman. Wildly good friends. You are so nice to us, Clayton. Every time we come over, you even hooked Dan up with tickets back in the day. I mean, we go way back and it's it's Good to have you back, man.
2: Absolutely great to be back. And I believe I should be saying yo, yo, yo. Is that right? Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's great. To, it's great to be back. It was great to see you guys uh, when you were back uh, over a couple of months ago. Sorry, we didn't have more time together, but uh, still nice to see you, even fleetingly.
0: Always, always a pleasure. Uh, it's good to now have uh, two goalkeeper union votes in the podcast, two non oh boy, two boy. non-goalkeeper union votes. Boy. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Nick, let's set the scene for everyone. What is the theme after yesterday's match against Watford?
3: Well, as, as you know, we've been doing these themes and, um, you know, trying to come up with something that's clever about Watford is, uh, is tougher than I anticipated. So um, I went with VAR, or VAR, Watt, a shambles, Watt.
1: Not, not like a
2: buzz kill?
3: Yeah, ooh, poor Harry the a Hornet. Good one too. I like yeah, that. I'm sure he gets a lot of stick.
0: There's not a lot of Premier League mascots, are there, Clayton? Uh,
2: no. We we've got one, haven't we? We, uh, do. A we Hornet, have two. I'm just trying to think. Um, you have Gorgosaurus.
3: That's very true. <laughs> I go <guess, laughs>
2: and I I don't know whether they they, they actually have a life size cock at Tottenham. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> They may do. I go to so few away games now. It's uh, uh, So I can't I can't tell you.
0: <laughs> Neither can what? confirm nor deny if there's the, a life The existence
2: guys. of a large cock at Tottenham. That is uh, That should okay. have been the, Let, let's have move been the on. theme.
0: That should have been the theme of the show. We'll get get away from the
1: trophy, (laughs) envy.
0: All right, off to a great start. So uh, following that up, today we are going to talk about Chelsea's fifth consecutive Premier League win in a row on the back of another massive midfield performance. The attacking contributions that saw us past the Hornets. Yes, including that and then we'll wrap it up with some key efforts in defense that prevented a late capitulation despite Chaos Agent Mike Dean's best efforts. Uh, Dan, some very quick shout outs to some lovely people that have left iTunes or, I guess, Apple Podcast reviews.
1: Yeah, we got to make sure we're just on brand with their rebranding. But yes, Apple Podcast reviews, some um, five star love from Nani, Bylon Watts, Hunt W27, Tom Rivers Blues, SC76, and AJ. Uh, S. Courich all leaving five-star reviews for us on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Helps us connect us with other listeners. So uh, if you'd like a shout-out beginning of next episode, uh, which will be the midweek match, then uh, get it in now. Do it while you're listening.
0: All right. And Nick, goodies for
3: the listeners. The rewards for hanging out with us. What do they get? Just rewards indeed. Um, Our Christian Pulisic uh, kit giveaway contest thing that we're doing via Anchor, uh, is going to end on Tuesday. Look at that bad boy. Yeah. ooh. If you're watching the YouTube video, you got a gotta really good view of that. Um, so all you have to do is go to our Anchor profile, leave us a voice message. You can do it on your phone. It's super easy. We're hopefully going to take all these, compile them, send them to the club if we give him some uh, some love from the States. Um, from our previous contest, Matt Burks, you are running out of time to claim your, your jersey. Um, so if you don't buy Tuesday or Wednesday, I think I said, then you are out and someone else is going to be in. So get a hold of us. Contact at LondonIsBluePodcast.com. DM us or whatever. Um, uh, You know that Black Friday is coming up, so 10% off at World Soccer Shop is code LONDONPOD. That will just, whatever, for your order, free customization, free shipping. And then Talisman Caps, London Blue 10, for the the promo code of, uh, that's 10% off, $35 or more. So all that. Being said, we have more shit coming. It's just going to be a couple of weeks. Super excited to see what new shit we have coming.
0: More shit. Sounds great. Awesome. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into the match review. It was the Watford match up at Vicarage Road, home of one Lee Parker, in case you don't know. Indeed. Uh, Let's see. Watford won Chelsea 2. So the goals, in case you missed it, uh, we can throw in a little context here. Abraham, Tammy, Abraham, fifth minute. Uh, probably a little surprised that he got the ball in the position he did, but did well to regain composure and, and knock it right over the keeper. Fifth minute. Oh, could be in here. He is in and he scored.
1: Of course he has. What a ball this is. Tammy's
2: alive to it. It's about a bit of composure. Can you start it? home? Yes, you can.
0: The next one we have is Christian Pulisic. Captain America. Fifty-five minutes gone. Slides in, buries it. Tammy
1: Abraham onside
2: tapping. You There's your cushion. There you go. Slightly fortuitous with the ball that finds it, Tammy. But Pulisic makes that run. It's a brilliant cross. It's a great finish.
0: And then get a little bit interesting. Eighty minutes after a lengthy VAR review, De La Feo doing his best acting job, making the most of it buries his penalty two one, and that's how it ends. But uh definitely some late game kind of nerves as as we saw it. Uh so Opta Joe tweeting seven Frank Lampard is only the second manager in Chelsea FC's history to win seven consecutive away games in all competitions after Bobby Campbell in nineteen eighty nine. Icon. Um Clayton, not to try to date you, I have no <laughs> reference to what Chelsea was like back then. I was two. Do you have okay. any context at this point?
2: I'd, I'd like to say no, of course not. I'm much too young, but uh, obviously I was about... I, was, I think I must have been in my late 50s during that period. Oh, no. Um, so so this, was, um, this was a very, very good season, although we were in the tier below, which was what is now the championship we were in division two we got relegated with a team that should never ever have got relegated this was um this was a really good team and we went down and um just really shouldn't have gone down and then we were probably too good uh for that division but that particular spell I think I'm right in saying that um I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think that was possibly when we signed um, Mickey Thomas at Christmas in that year. Um, And I think we went unbeaten for the rest of that season. We, I I can't remember whether we scored a hundred goals or we got a hundred points, but we, I think, no, we ended up in nine, in the nineties. We, we were very, very good. Um, in the context of, of what we were doing, what we were playing, and we won the, the, the old championship. So I'm not surprised we won all those games in a row. Um, I would imagine that I was at quite a few of them, but um, obviously with old age settling in, I can't actually remember any of them.
0: Well, that would have been the time because this was February through April. So if they made some key Christmas signings, uh, that would yep. have done it.
2: Yeah, yeah, they did. I'm sure Mickey Thomas was one of them, and I think they might have signed Dave Besant as well. Um, I remember one game I don't actually think it was in February I think it might have actually been in January we played away at Derby and the reason I remember that was because it was so cold Uh, obviously not cold (laughs) Minnesota or anywhere where you guys live um, but cold Uh, and we won 2-1 funnily enough I think we let a goal in right near the end of that game as well things never change. Uh, but yeah, no, so that that was a that was a, a decent team. It was a good watch, but that that's what our expectations were then.
0: Awesome. Uh, Dan, go ahead and run us through the lineup and then we can get in to the in-depth stuff here. I would like to point out that Watford lined up in a 5-3-2. Probably much more of a 5-4-1, the good old Christmas tree formation here. But uh, what about Chelsea? What'd they do?
1: Yeah, not Christmas tree for Chelsea. We saw Kepa, Aretha and Goal, Aspilqueta, Zuma, Tomori, and Emerson returning from his injury. Jorginho and Kovacic both in the midfield. We saw William Mount and Pulisic behind Tammy Abraham up top. Alonzo, Caballero, Giroux, Billy Gilmore on substitutes. And we saw appearances from Callum hudson Doy, Mishi Bachwai, and Reese James in this match, Nick.
3: Indeed, Reese James, the new Mikel, the closer. <laughs>
0: Wait, was it just me, or did Emerson surprise anyone else? Like I did, we didn't hear anything. All of a sudden, he just popped in like it was normal,
3: and and played like to me. He played really well. I mean, uh, he did not look like he had been out for a period of five weeks. Um, I don't know. I was I was pretty shocked, and I think it was. This is hopefully the scenario now, Clayton, where we start to get some of these key pieces back from injury. And hopefully there's some decent squad rotation where you're not dropping complete levels um, to to bring someone in.
2: Yeah, no, it, it was good to see him back. I mean, especially after um, Marcus's Halloween horror show during the week, he he really had a poor game. And, and I don't blame him because I think he was out on his feet. Um, and I think he was very tired. And he didn't play very well. So it was really good to see Emerson back. Um, It's very interesting because, I mean, Rudiger apparently declared himself fit um, before the press conference Mm. on Friday. And Frank then said, no, you're not. Uh, So he must be close and Kante's close. And the big question is, Dan if you want to answer this, where are they all going to slot in? Because, you know, you look at that (laughs) midfield yesterday, where's Kante going to play?
0: Yeah, Dan.
2: Yeah, Dan. I
1: I, I really have all the answers. I've been, uh, you know, just dialing up Frank every couple days. We talk about it. We strategize on the 11 together. Really glad he's taking my advice, keeping Mason Mount in the lineup. And, you know, ultimately it's going to be tough to figure out who is the person who, who seeds the position. It's probably, you know, you could go to a back three and then push up with the wingbacks if you wanted to. And I just, I'm, I'm at a loss. I, I don't know who you drop. You know, I, I think maybe you give rotation. I mean, maybe you give Kovacic a little break. Maybe you give Jorginho a break at times because those guys are just <laughs> continuing to run and run and run. And I'm, I'm worried about their potential fatigue situation, too.
3: Jorginho gave himself a break next week. Um, we'll talk about that. Very obviously. smart.
1: Very intelligent of him. <laughs>
3: But I think I think Clayton's point about Rudiger and the and the injury situation is super interesting because while he's declared himself fit after hurting his groin after hurting his knee, um, Frank went out and said that he's the farthest of you know outside of Ruben, who who obviously has a, a ways to come back. But like, there's something going on there that's really interesting, and I hope I hope it's you know Rudiger being hungry. And wanting to get back sooner than than maybe he should, and not that there's some conflicting agent manager BS happening, because that would be that would be not good for this this locker room.
0: Yeah, I, I would like to think not. You know, Ruger, he's just he he's upset when he's not on the field. I mean, he's that like ultimate competitor that if he's not on the field, he's not happy. He's had the ACL. He's been out for a long time. I'm sure having another long term injury it just making him more antsy than probably a different situation. But again, at least I, you're right. I hope not. I, I feel like this is just a very competitive player being very competitive and, and wanting to be back in the field, especially with Chelsea, you're doing so well. Like you want to be a part of that run. Uh, I, I, I think, again, that's where I'm hoping he's coming from. But some top-level stats real quick. Chelsea with 16 shots, 10 on target. Watford... 12 shots, but only three on target this time. We had 67% possession, over doubling their passes, 89% accuracy for us out of 787. Uh, we had two yellow cards. They had four. And uh, we had our six corner kicks. Obviously, with all of those, it would tell you that Chelsea pretty much ran the show. I would be a little annoyed that we gave up 12 shots, though, off of 33% possession. We can get into that in a little bit. Uh, and then lastly, at uh, Kaylee underscore graphics, crushing it again with their XG map for this match. Watford, 0.5, plus one with the penalty. Chelsea, two, 2.0. two So we nailed it, spot on. Uh, we'll have to, obviously, after breaking the model recently, um, we've now let Watford in with a freebie on the penalty. So... First talking point, Chelsea fifth, fifth Premier League in a row. Win sees us cruising right now. And a huge part of that is obviously our midfield, Clayton. Mateo Kovacic is really starting to find his form, find his rhythm. I don't know if it's the whole, hey, you need a year to adapt the Premier League. If so, he's coming good. Uh, Against Watford, he had 154 touches a hot, won a hundred percent of his duels, which is seven of seven. he won all three of his tackles he had hundred and forty passes attempted and he had a hundred percent of his take ons four take ons I'm not saying he's at Azard, but those four is a ton in the Premier League, and they had a ninety six percent accuracy on those one hundred and forty passes so there's the stat level. What about you in the eye test uh what are you making of Mateo Kovacic against Watford and maybe bigger picture this season
2: um I, th- I thought he was outstanding yesterday. Um, bigger picture. He's, he's class. And I think the whole settling in thing is quite interesting because I don't think that he needs the season to settle in. Um, I just basically think that our previous manager had a different role for him and along with other players in the team put him in a straitjacket where he couldn't actually do what he's good at doing. I always hark back, and and apologies if I'm boring anybody that's heard me say this before, but I hark back to when he made his debut. I don't know if you remember, it was last season, home against Arsenal, second home game. He and Eden Hazard came on together. And basically, they were quite similar in stature and appearance and both bearded. And you couldn't actually tell the difference between them. And it wasn't only physical, it was the fact that the way they played their football and they controlled the ball, and I thought, crikey, this guy is really, really skillful. And he is an incredibly skillful player. And I just think he was used in in the wrong way last year. Um, I know that some people raised their eyebrows when we were going to buy him. And I thought, no, this is a really, really good player. I mean, he played, you know, he Real Madrid bought him, which I know is not the ultimate test in being brilliant. But he's a really good player and and he's just proving it. He's just basically playing... You know, he's being managed by what was one of the best midfield players of his generation who understands how he can be used and he's just let him get on with it. And the relationship with Kovacic, is um, with um, Jorginho, is fantastic. And and I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised. I can understand why people are surprised, but I'm not. He, he's always had that in his locker um and he's now absolutely blossoming it's fantastic i think if the man could score he <laughs> would just be one of the best in the world
0: well it'd be a dream it'd be like a cheat code having a midfielder who can put up those kind of numbers and also you know like you said just score as well um but he's so smooth on the ball nick i mean his heat map is he dominated the entire middle 60 yards on the left side of the pitch And, you know, I think what's funny is when you add the off the field context to Kovacic and the things we heard that he's like dresses like a dad, like he's very just straightforward. He, You know, he's not a flashy guy. He's he's actually really boring is what they say, whatever. But when he gets on the pitch, right, he's this whole different person. He's got swagger. He's got confidence right now. I I don't know. It's just been. I mean, like you said, an unsung hero. I think is the best way you've kind of been able to describe him recently. We gotta get him one of these mustaches so he can complete (laughs) the look. Um, Can't
3: buy that. No no one
1: (laughs) needs any more of those, Nick.
3: I don't know, man. I am feeling it. Um, it, What's funny if you look at his uh, if you look at his heat map, it kinda has the resemblance of like a short shark, and I think that's kind (laughs) of who he is. Like wow, he he, I, I I think yesterday and and you know, outside of the the cup game, which was just an overall bad performance from our team and we already talked about that, I think he has been so consistent and yesterday was taking the absolute piss out of Watford's whole team. There there's that like famous clip now where him and Jorginho are basically just pinging the ball to each other right outside of our box and with with no care in the world. Like they know what they're gonna go do and everybody else is just kind of chasing shadows and I think the take on P stand is probably the most interesting point about his game to me because what that does is it's it's not like Jorginho where, you know, he has to kind of you know, see, you know, see where a player's running and put the ball exactly there. He can kind of create his own luck. And when you have a guy who can take someone on and move the ball, move the entire team up the field with him, I, I think that's that's pretty special. And that's the thing that kind of breaks down some of these block-defending teams uh, when they have to step out and get uncomfortable and go chase a player a little bit. So uh, you, you might touch on that uh, with your point, but I was just really impressed with him yesterday.
1: Uh, unlike Jorginho, who probably is not going to complain to FIFA about the pace rating on his card because it's very accurate, Kovacic is capable of getting up to speed quicker and making making those lanes available to himself in a way that Jorginho isn't in terms of forward ball movement, and I think what also happens is because we have a couple of players, Mount, Pulisic, Abraham, who are drawing some attention away. There were some points when he was carrying that ball forward, and he had space around him. He didn't necessarily have to go uh, find a one on one to uh, to make the make the moment happen. But when he does, he's very capable of being being shifty. Uh, I don't know how the ink blotting of a, a baby shark here is how you read the heat map, but that's that's very interesting. I I just think he he has kind of been the individual in a little bit of the shadow because Jorginho has had some really strong performances and I think taken a lot of the limelight, but Kovacic is doing doing some some work in the trenches there to just keep keep possession. And with, with possession, you can go score Brandon. And so, uh, you know, not giving the ball away is one of the best things that we could be doing. And Kovacic is really damn good at that.
0: Sure is looking like it, but then it gets even better when you pair him with Jorginho this season. Mateo again from squawk of football, tweeting Mateo Kovacic had 11.7% possession on his own. Jorginho had ten and a half percent possession. Combined, 22.2% possession against Watford. The entire Watford team had 33.3% possession. So that's how impactful those guys were. And again, Jorginho, 138 touches, 125 passes, uh, 96% accuracy, 11 recoveries, four interceptions, two chances created, an assist. Man, we will talk about an assist. But now you start to see a little difference, right? So like Jorginho had 11 recoveries. Kovacic had 11 recoveries. Um, Jorginho has more interceptions. You're almost starting to see a little bit. It seems like, Clayton, that Jorginho will sit a little deeper and let Jorgin- and actually let Kovacic go and kind of jumpstart the, the counterattacks. Either way, these two are building a super strong bond. Uh, You talk about fitting Conte and Ruben Loftus-Cheek in this lineup. These guys are making it really hard for Frank to ever want to break them up as a duo.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, It's quite interesting because Jorginho is – he's basically taking the role that Conte had in Conte's um, Premier League winning team. He's Mm -hmm. basically morphing into what he was doing. And he's very good. I, I was saying to my son yesterday when we were watching the game that, you know, th- this is why, what we're seeing now is why Manchester City wanted him and agreed to buy him. He's he's a really, really good player. And again, much maligned. He, I think, did need that season to settle in. I know, I mean, I think that Sarri had... A role for him and it was a role that he performed and whereas I think Kovacic didn't need the season because he's a naturally talented player um, I think Jorginho needed that season to, to settle in and I think what with having that first season he made a great recovery about I don't know two-thirds of the way through the season after all the boo boys had been at him and what have you he really sort of stepped up his game and I think people were beginning to appreciate what he could do. And I think he's just taking it onto another level. I think he's a really good player. And I think where you were talking about the rotation before, I, I think that Jorginho is probably the one player, outfield player, where he's probably the first name on the team sheet. And I don't think he will be rotated. I think Kovacic is more likely to be. Um, but it's it's a fantastic problem to have. What do you think, Dan?
1: Well, I mean, if we're talking about putting someone in who can score goals, we know that Kante will occasionally get a, a little bit of a banger in there. So putting him in for Kovacic, I think makes more sense than putting Kante in and, and doing the Kante-Kovacic pivot there in the back too. So yeah, I, I think it's really hard to look at someone. I mean, I think you know we saw that, yeah, you know, maybe the shades of Billy Gilmore, not this season, but in the future could be that rotational player behind someone like a Jorginho. But Nick, it's not it's not that easy right now because there are things that Jorginho does um, outside of tripping people for or not tripping people that uh, other players on the team can't do.
3: Right. I mean, we were I think we were kind of referencing this and and Frank referenced it during the, the cut match on Wednesday that he would have loved to Substituted, you know, or rested both of these players because of all the miles they're kind of putting on earlier this season. But I, I don't know if we have an out-and-out replacement for him. I don't know if we if we plug and play Ingolo uh, or Billy or or you know potentially Ampadu at some point when he comes back from a failed loan. That you know that it's going to be the same. And you know, I was kind of thinking about you know if we absolutely had to, like who is the best fit for that role? And it might be Reese James um, based on what we Mm. saw last year Uh, and not saying that I would, I would love to move him from right back because I think he's going to be a dynamo there someday, but in a pinch, you know, it might be him or it might be Christensen and it might be someone who has some passing vision and both of those players do. So it's just, I think it's a testament that he's kind of made that position his own and he's been able to step up his game. I think he's playing with more confidence and more fight. And he's you know, he's doing you know, some of the um shithousery things that we need to do. Uh you know, we need a couple of bastards in the team and I think he, he might qualify as one of those guys. A little bite is a little important bite. Yep. in the team. And that's what obviously
0: the Chelsea fans, you know, we, we've we come accustomed to, you know, and we talk about that we're a short team, but if we have the fight in them, you know, you can be a bit of a bastard and, and still do it. And and that's what we're getting out of them. Uh, speaking of, never mind, I won't use that comparison, but let's just go ahead and mention the VAR controversy real quick and just be done with it for the rest of the episode uh, on Discord to Brent saying, any chance that FA, con- F.A. comments on the Calamity or we will just hear the same judgment called B.S.? Uh, Clayton, I thought it was interesting. Frank came out afterwards and said that they had just had a meeting midweek talking about VAR and this sect that it would only change clear and obvious errors. If it takes you that long to look at something, is it really clear and obvious? My guess is probably not. Uh, It was super frustrating just to sit there and wait and wait and wait and then it happened. and, And you had to slow it down super slow to see. But my problem is... In super slow mode, there's t- there's contact, absolutely. But in full speed, is there really enough contact to make him go down or to change his direction? And that's where I think it isn't a penalty because he was barely clipped. He could have stayed on his feet. It wasn't like we kicked his leg out from under him. That's where I get frustrated with the whole situation.
2: Yeah, but I mean, that that's modern football. You, you watch modern football and all... You is touch somebody and they go down and we had an example of that last week uh, with Callum where everybody was saying that 's a ridiculous decision. it should have been a penalty because he was pushed in the back well was pushed in the back like that i won't fall over um and callum wouldn't in normal life that that's that's what happens and the inconsistency with VAR, and I, you, you make the point, which is so spot on. If you do something for nigh on three minutes, there's no clear and obvious error. And I think that that's the frustration. What Mike Reed in this particular, um, not is it Mike Reed? Anyway, the referee who did it. it he was basically re-refereeing the game. And the biggest mm-hmm. frustration is that they don't actually go and have a look at the screen. However, what we're doing, this discussion on VAR and this pathetic penalty that we gave away, is masking the fact that we have just bigged up Jorginho, and quite rightly so, but what in hell were they doing? They were yes. fanning about and fanning about, and they were basically... the, the the actual passing that they've got is is fantastic. But there are places on the pitch where you just put your foot through. And the reason we gave a penalty away is because we were fanning about. And we shouldn't have done that. There was 10 minutes to go and just got rid. And I appreciate that we want to retain the ball. And that's fantastic. But there has to be circumstances where you just put your foot through it. Um, I don't know what you think, Nick.
0: Well, and I would say also, if you want to talk about re-referring the game, like – <laughs> um Kovacic got whacked right before the ball went to De La Feu. So, again, it's this microcosm of we were offsides but wasn't in a previous match because three passes ago, Mount was offsides. It, like, the scope of VAR is just a disaster. And I guess we just have to take the seven-year journey like the NFL did.
3: Yeah, that, I mean, that's been my point on this show forever, which is, and and I think we talked about this at the at the Cock Tavern, Clayton. Like the NFL took seven years of instant replay, and I'm you know I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't take and, this. And long. didn't
2: they stop for a couple of years as well? Did they they take it away?
3: No, they 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 changed the scope of it. They changed the scope of like what could be reviewed or not reviewed. And in the last minute of the game, everything's reviewed because they you know it's like coaches were running out of challenges. It was the whole thing. So anyway, um, <laughs> not to bore anyone here, but. It took legitimately seven years to get over 90% of the calls right, which is an absurdly long time, but it's 100% what's going to happen here. I mean, VAR is ridiculous. I mean, there are a couple of problems with this. Um, the first is that De La Feu takes two steps after he gets kicked in a normal fashion and then goes down um, like he had been shot, which to me, to me would tell you that like the trip didn't actually impede him. He just lost the ball. Um, the second piece is that they looked at it for as long as they did, and they, and they re-refereed it. And I think the, the bigger problem that I have with VAR is the same thing, Dan, that, that we've seen over the last few years. The standard of refereeing has dropped so significantly in the Premier League, and they haven't figured out a way to overcome that. And now VAR is trying to help cover up, in my mind, a lot of really bad refereeing decisions, and that shouldn't be what it is.
1: Yeah, you know somehow that uh, in the path to hopefully not winning the title, but potentially winning the title, that Liverpool will be the biggest beneficiary of this, and people will be able to put the stats together to figure that out. Yeah, VAR, at least this week, is terrible. We hate it. I I think the point that Clayton made, and I was making it when I was tweeting from the pod account during the match, is that this was a stupid situation to be in to begin with because we just needed to get the ball out of our own half. And we were we were trying to pirouette. We were trying to do all these fancy maneuvers, and it would just have been so much better to kick it upfield and reset versus just passing in what is a very, very dangerous area. So I think that's the, again, like... People want to be upset about VAR, that's great. Like, but also don't put yourself in situations to let someone else determine the outcome of the match for you. And I think that's the the biggest takeaway that I would have beyond this, Brandon.
0: Yep. So definitely
2: Can I can I just jump in with something? Please do. Um you're talking about the seven years it took the NFL. I think 'cause I think what may need to happen is that we may need to have a new generation of referees. Oh, sure unfortunately bed in because you know whenever you bring something in like it's like if you change of the Premier League halfway through the season it's not really fair because the referees have always refereed in a certain way and now they have to referee a different way so I think maybe there has to be a whole new generation of these who have only refereed with VAR before it actually works I mean obviously the rules need to be more clearly defined, and I think like another season or so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, um we were at fault for playing in tight spaces in a very dangerous part of the pitch. Sloppy tackle from Jorginho, VAR, still a disaster in the sense of inconsistency. VAR isn't a disaster if it gets things right, um, but when they can re referee a play where Mason Mount is offside three passes, four the ball goes in the back of the net but they can't re-referee this where Mateo Kovacic gets whacked one pass before it goes to De La Feo. Again, it's just super frustrating to see. Um, and then the offsides call. I, was it in the Liverpool match yesterday where it's his shoulder was ahead of someone's knee? Ridiculous, man. I, it's I, it's just, it, yeah, it's just—it's too much at that point. You know, clear and obvious. That's not clear. That sure shit isn't obvious. Um, but this is the situation we live in. So... Anyways, that wraps up our midfield dynamic duo. Fantastic. Let us know what you think of these two and how they're doing so far this season uh, on social media. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to be talking about the attack. We're going to be talking about the defense. And I think then we've pretty much wrapped up the entire team. So anyways, a huge thank you to the sponsor for financially supporting the show and helping us to do more giveaways for you guys and everything else we're able to do to connect. Uh, But we will be right back. All right, so here we go. Skipping to the top end of the pitch. Two of Chelsea's three brightest attackers this season have been Tammy Abraham and Christian Pulisic, both finding the back of the net against Watford. Tammy Abraham, let's start there. Nine goals, two assists in the Premier League. Coral At Coral tweeting, Tammy Abraham is the first Chelsea player to score 10 goals across all competitions in the 2019-2020 season. He is crushing it for my fantasy team and then they go on to say number nine curse question mark what number nine curse and then they have this interesting graphic here clayton they've got uh abraham in full color with our nice little stanford bridge print blue kit and then grayed out behind him you've got players like was that kesman crespo
3: bularoos
0: torres falcao Marata. And at the center of it all, we've got one of our own, Tammy Abraham. What we haven't gotten your thoughts on Tammy this season. Uh is he surprising you? Is he doing exactly what you expect? What what are your what's your take on Tammy so far?
2: Um I'm completely surprised and pleasantly so. I even after the first couple of games when he scored a couple of goals, I was saying Mount Tamori looked like the real thing. I'm still not sure about Tammy. Well, I am sure about Tammy now. Um, I think he's a he's a super striker and I, I, I think he's his goal poacher, which is what we've we've missed um perhaps since Diego was there, he's just been brilliant. Um and I think that what I like about him more than anything else is the fact that he doesn't mind missing a few. It doesn't seem to affect him. I'm not saying that you know, that that's the, <laughs> I'm not saying he's missing a lot, but I, I like the fact that he just gets on with it. Um the goal that he scored yesterday, I mean I don't know this as of fact, but that was possibly his first touch. Um and obviously the ball from Jorginho was was sort of unbelievable. But his his movement off the ball and his short sure touch and great finish, that wasn't easy. You know, that that was that was a really really clever little dink um as we found out throughout the game um Foster's a very good goalkeeper um so yeah no he he really has surprised me i I don't know whether this is the time to go on to a point which I think um caused our last 10 minutes worth of cardiac arrest is he's great but he needs support we need another striker and we need to be more clinical but no answering your question i, I think tam is fantastic and i he's I, I i don't actually think that um that frank and the uh, the whole coaching setup could possibly have thought that he would have these numbers where we are now
3: it's uh it's been so impressive um dan i, I think what has probably impressed me the most <clears throat> is you know, obviously he's he's becoming a, a better finisher week in week out, and I think had gone off the boil a little bit. Then obviously had a, a really good goal yesterday, a really class finish off of an immaculate ball that we'll talk about. But um, I think what has has inspired me and, and and impressed me the most is his movement towards goal, the ability he has to run at defenders, to run off the shoulder, to get in behind. Like, I think his movement's better than I thought it would ever be, and and that's probably why he's getting the opportunities he's getting.
1: I just, I can't imagine being a Premier League center back right now and knowing that you have to go up against Chelsea and Tammy Abraham in that match because he just seems like an ultimate bother the way he bodies up. I mean, it, it took, you know... It took McGuire pulling him to the ground to for, to force him off of goal in the beginning of the season, and he is not making life easy for any defender. I, I think that's a testament to the use set up and the way that he's been brought up through the, the ranks of the academy from some successful loans and unsuccessful loans, but yeah, I, I think his finishing was ever in question, it was can he do it in the Premier League and at this level, and... He is showing that he is very comfortable, very capable, and also scoring a multitude of different goals. Like this was just a different one from what we've seen previously. And I think that's the that's the most exciting thing about Tammy Brandon is that he is continuing to find different ways to score, testing different types of shots, and not getting comfortable within, this is the only way that I can score, but he, he does need uh, more people coming up like Christian to kind of give him an outlet, which is you know why he ended up with an assist today as well.
0: Right? Yeah, I think uh, he's definitely learning the hold up and link up play. Uh, you know, probably getting to learn from Giroux and watch his film is a huge help. And then obviously, you know, I, I guess you have like Mishi, who's the ultimate poacher. You've got Giroux, who's the ultimate target man, and then you have Tammy, you know, kind of like teeter tottering in the middle of those two, and it's a really great place for him to be. And the amount of confidence that Lampard has in him, I mean, he gives Tammy chance after chance and all the belief in the world. That has to be so important, not only to any striker, but to a young striker as well. Um, So he's been great. I do want to take this time to pivot off of Tammy. And just real quick, Nick, that ball, that pass from Jorginho, we didn't even talk about it in the first part, unbelievable, beat two lines from Watford, like I said, I, I genuinely think it surprised Tammy. I think he was surprised that it made it to him. Um, but that awareness
3: uh, and the weight on that ball was world class. Yeah, it's it's absolutely exceptional. I, I was stunned because we have watched him try and try and try and try and try, mm-hmm. and try and try and try. And he's just, he's never quite got there, Clayton. And that pass, uh, I mean, if that's, I would be shocked if that's not in like a goal move of the season type of thing at the end of the year because I thought it was just that impressive.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, first time pass. And of course, it's very reminiscent of um, the pass that Fabregas played for Costa Mm -hmm. at Watford. Again, another fast defense splitting. um, Fantastic. I mean, it's quite interesting that last season there was uh, the the big thing about Jorginho he'd never made an assist and there there was a, a YouTube video of all the balls he'd laid on for all of our strikers that they all missed and they were decent chances. So he obviously has got that in it, but I mean, that, that pass was, uh, was beautiful. Dan, have you ever seen anything like it?
1: Uh, not, not this season. Uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, Cesc is probably the ultimate in terms of just either no look or crazy assists. Um, in his kind of targeting computer brain that he was able to lay on for our strikers. And yeah, I think Tammy looked just as surprised as anybody else that he had an opportunity to go forward with that goal. And I appreciated that someone has converted uh, one of those excellent chances. And I think hopefully that is just the, the first of many, which would be the best thing, Brandon,
0: Uh, the best of best things. So the other one, Christian Pulisic, uh, coming at you with a, a biased perspective here. That's why we brought Clayton in to to help even the the perspective. <laughs> Do the you know, I'm really surprised.
2: On that. I'm 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 absolutely staggered you've mentioned it.
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh obviously coming off his hat trick hero at a, a bit of an indifferent display, you know, midweek. But here we are at the weekend. Frank, I think showing a ton of confidence to put him back in the lineup after pulling him off midweek. Again. Not necessarily his fault against Manchester United, but just the way everything worked out. Um, but he's back in and he got a ton more minutes and he had some good chances, had some poor decisions, but in the end got his goal. Four goals, two assists so far in the Premier League. So he's been involved in six goals, which is great. Squaka again saying, uh, Christian Pulisic's goal scoring record in the league By season. So, way back when he started at Dortmund, broke through 2015 2016 season, he only played nine games and had two goals. 16 17, 29 games, three goals. 17 18, 32 games, four goals. 18 19, last season, 20 games, four goals. So far this season, 19 20 season, he's only played eight games and has four goals. Again, that is a great start Nick. What did you say 10 goals or something like that would be a great return on Christian in his first season?
3: Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I given his record but also given the fact that he's more of a playmaker, assist maker than he is a goal scorer typically. Like what you're you know what that convenient graphic is leaving out is that in each of those seasons his assists uh went up except for last year when he was hurt. So mm-hmm. uh I think I think, Clayton, that is the that's kind of the interesting part about Christian to us is had it not been for Brandon's goalkeeper curse against us stupid uh, and Ben Foster having the display of his life, he would have had another perfect hat trick yesterday. Um, He had the header that was going into the top corner and he had the uh, the the goalkeeper uh, Foster stuck out his leg on the left footed finish. But he's clearly playing with confidence, right? I mean, this is a good—it's a good sign for him.
2: Yeah, it's a great sign. I, I, you know, on the on the basis that we are not going to get any goals from Kovacic and Jorginho, the fact that the midfield is chipping in and, and Mason was very unlucky again. Mm-hmm. Foster made two fantastic saves from Mason. The one where he tipped it on the bar was—I mean, you can't want to hit a ball better than <laughs> than Mason did. He was very unlucky with that, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm so impressed with Pulisic. He's, his movement's great. And and yesterday I was slightly frustrated that he didn't get the ball more. And I don't know whether it's a question of him coming looking for it or being found more. Because I think when when he has the ball and he's running at defences, they don't know how to cope with him. Um, and I think it's great. I've, I'm really, really enjoying watching him play. And he's he's only going to get better once he's got more of an understanding with his teammates. Um, and and the sort of the only one downside that I can see so far is the fact that the fact that Callum hasn't been playing and the last two games where he's come on, he's looked very <laughs> rusty. Now mm-hmm. it might have been he's you know he's coming back from a horrendous injury, but I don't know whether mentally it's doing something to him to see somebody who's playing that well in his position. Uh, what I'd love to see. Um, Brandon, it'll be interested in your views. Is basically those two playing at the same time? I know that we had the Man United game, but that that wasn't good. But but you know, developing that relationship with Tammy in the middle could be interesting,
0: right? It comes down to these options. We've had we had a good run from William. Seems like he's cooled off a little bit. Um, you know, Callan has had some good and he's had some not so great appearances. Uh, you know that we have a ton of competent. Mount is playing out there or amongst that three as well. <laughs> so just with the different options and all the games that's coming things like that, I think that is one of the things that has hindered us a little bit. You know, Emerson and Pulisic, they haven't played together in a long time. They had to quick figure each other out yesterday. Uh, but you're right. There's, there's that chemistry that, you know, Christian likes to cut in. If he could find Tammy and keep running and Callum cuts across and different things, like it can work. It just goes back to you know, these selection headache for Frank week after week. And
3: usually it's a good headache to have. Um, well, can I quickly talk about Christian's movement on the goal yesterday that he did score was great. And it was great that Tammy was aware enough to understand where he was going to cut in, Dan, because that's not an easy, it's not an easy pass to make. It has to be quick to beat the goalkeeper. And Kristen has to realize like the exact right time to go Uh, to make it all work together. So it's good that they're kind of getting an understanding together, like Brandon was saying.
1: Yeah, I I definitely am enjoying the way that Christian is moving off the ball. He definitely shows a comfort with with Tammy, uh, even with William on the the pitch together. I I think the Emerson was interesting. Emerson found himself in some really weird places on the pitch yesterday, even – more centrally than i think alonzo will find himself at times so there was some some freelancing there which probably was a little difficult to deal with but christian is showing us that you know he is going to be very comfortable in this sign in this team and if he keeps on doing this brandon he's going to be very hard uh, to displace
0: that's the goal is to have 22 guys crushing it feeling good about themselves two and, uh, starting 11s performing at a high level uh well all right so to wrap this one up going to our defense at this point kurt zuma it's uh been an up and a down for him this season obviously a terrible start against man united at the beginning of the season came on gotten a ton of minutes seems to really cemented himself over Christiansen in lampard's eyes and what a day for him um Zuma had five clearances, which was the most of any player. He had five interceptions, which is the most of any player. Interceptions, that's reading the game, being athletic, getting there, beating someone to it. Mm -hmm. That just shows he's not just a big, strong guy that when someone gets close can body off the ball. And then he had three blocks, and I think we all remember that huge block in the first half uh, where we were caught out a little bit, and he was able to recover with his super long legs and get in front of it. Uh, beyond that, he had 93% passing accuracy, 63 passes, 83 touches, five of eight long balls completed, six of six aerial duels won, five interceptions, three block shots, and five clearances. I mean, imperious, Nick. Zuma is... He, I think, for me, we, we always worried about his, maybe his positioning and his poise on the ball and things like that. They're coming to him quickly this season.
3: Well, it's clearly... I mean, this is something um Clayton that that Lampard's working with him on the the passing is getting better it, do, it still does look a little shaky especially when compared to how effortless it is for Fekayo um but i mean certainly think about you know some of the kind of big bodies that we're going to go up against this year in the premier league he was a weapon against Burnley. Um, he was absolutely fantastic yesterday. He started going on these, you know, okay, he does the occasional John Terry run through the midfield that I really appreciate. And and I help I think it helps push Jorginho and Kovacic up when he goes. Um but yeah, Clayton, I just want to hear your thoughts on, on Zuma because I, I was very impressed yesterday.
2: He was our outstanding defender yesterday without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I do find it quite funny watching him because his passing is so mechanical. It's like he has to be pointing his body in the right direction to where the ball's going. And it's, it's actually very funny. But ultimately, he's, he's in there to defend and he has got better and better. I think it's, it's quite difficult to remember how good he was when he first came in the side he really was this powerful athletic defender and he got injured at just such an unfortunate time bad bad injury and he's got back I mean he you know we forget he's he was out on on loan for two seasons at Stoke and then at Everton and Everton were very upset to to um to let him go and yesterday and and Burnley as well, you're right to mention that. The fact that Burnley play in a certain way and the fact that he actually was all over Ashley Barnes the whole game, he, he marshaled him brilliantly. And bottom line is, he's, he's been a real surprise. We talk about being surprised at, um, at how good Tammy's been. I'm equally surprised at how Zuma is, especially because he had a bit of a mare. In that in the first game at man United he's yeah. his recovery um, Dan is, is just superb oh
1: and he's you know he he occasionally will miss time a jump on corners he, he's pretty fine every time out time else when he's fighting airily but uh, we, you know just when we only give up one corner that's the best type of defense this team can have against corners is just not to give them up right now ultimately Zuma made key tackles great reading of where people were going to be heading um the one near the end of the game you know to stop the kind of two-on-one break was fantastic he really i think gets a lot of unnecessary comments in regards to how he looks when he's moving on the ball and when he's passing i think the mechanical comment is very accurate but hey you know people tend to look at it like he's not comfortable or that he doesn't necessarily you know It looks it's just awkward looking. Same way that Marcus Alonso looks awkward sometimes when he's carrying the ball because just they're they're also very tall and big and muscular individuals and you know don't always look comfortable doing things. So uh, I think he was uh, a class above any other defender on the pitch yesterday and and probably (laughs) one of our best two to three players out of uh, everyone.
0: Hey, don't forget about Tamori, guys. All right, we won't. We won't. I mean, talk about a partnership. It was always who's gonna partner Rudiger. It's November 3rd. There is no Rudiger, sadly. Like, he's not an option. So Frank, rightly so, has to figure out the next combo. And right now, it it our our starting center back pairing is Fakayo Tomori and Kurt Happy Zuma. That's that's the world we live in. And it's a great world we live in. Uh Nick, Statman Nick, I'll let you even run through six Stat,
3: stats. Statman Nick from, that's right. from this match. That's where I'm going. Uh, 90 minutes played, 90% pass accuracy, 95 touches, 83 passes, five duels won, four clearances, four aerial duels won, two tackles won, uh, or two aerial duels won, um, l- one long ball completed. So uh, not a bad day at the office for, for uh, Fick. I mean, he clearly has Lampard's confidence. Clayton is the guy who you know, I think everybody's been over the moon about. He's had a couple of um, scarier passing moments uh, over the last couple of weeks, but I think it's kind of cleared that up a little bit in his game. Uh, just, just ridiculously impressed with a young guy coming in and, and just kind of cementing his place ahead of some more experienced talent.
2: Completely. Um, I, I don't think he's eradicated that from his game. He, he gave the ball away a couple of times yesterday. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, he's young. You forget how young he is and he has been impressive. And, you know, everybody's been going on about Mason Mount and what have you. But the player of the year at Derby last year um, was Ficayo, not Mason. And he's just he just looks to the man of he You know, I, I've made this point on uh, before, but when these guys are coming into our team, the, the young guys, they just they don't look out of place they look like they belong and, that, and there's no awkwardness and, and Tamori is, is part of that setup. and I think you, know, you guys have mentioned it as well the fact that they all played in the same youth team when they've got two or three guys around them that they know and they play with they belong that you know the youth team were winners and these guys play like winners they play with confidence they play like they expect to win they're all unbelievably comfortable on the ball and, um, Brandon, I think that the, the fact that they've got Jody Morris there and Joe Edwards and the guys that they've grown up with, th- these guys know them inside out. And I think that's just such, you know, it's such a, a major benefit.
0: Well, one thing I don't think we've talked a lot about or maybe just hasn't been mentioned much is that these guys will go to war for each other because they've been through so much together. I think sometimes people, when you kind of buy all these players who don't know each other and put them in, at the end of the day, they're professionals and they're really out there for themselves. Now, teamwork helps them, right? But these guys will go so much further for these guys that they've been playing with since they were six, seven, eight years old. Because that is the environment they've been in. As you talk about Joe Edwards bringing them through. Uh, with Jody Morris bringing them through. That is the environment they've been in. And since those guys have achieved everything together, they just have a stronger bond. And that's the way it is. And so, uh, you know, look, we posted the picture on our Instagram and Twitter from Chris Axon, uh, who had a brilliant shot of the goal celebration and the camaraderie in this team right now. Team spirit is an all-time high. And I tell you what, it is a huge credit because – these boys will play for the badge and for each other before they play for themselves. And the team, the club, the managers, and the fans are all being rewarded for that. We are the beneficiaries of that. And it is fantastic for us to see. Um, So, with that being said, Dan of the Match poll, here it is. I retweeted it, tried to get you a little bit more visibility, Dan, after last week's no show. You
1: don't you don't want to talk about the Kepa save from the Ben Foster header attempt? No, yeah. I
0: don't, because I'm pissed that was even a thing. Um, but since you bring it up,
1: goalkeeper, <laughs> Reddit goalkeeper credit, that was gonna, this was gonna be awful. Hey,
0: all I'm gonna say is classic goalkeeper: show up when no one else does, right? Doing his job, 90th mm. minute, making yes. a big save, Clayton. Am I right? I mean come on.
2: Yeah, I mean I I I'm absolutely over the moon f- for Kepa because I'm getting really really hacked off with all the negative crap that sur- surrounded him this season. You know, he should have done this and he should have done that. No, he you know, he he's he's good. And he's going to get better. And I don't think he started the season off particularly well. I'm just really delighted. I tweeted this on during the week, but I was so delighted that he wasn't in goal on Wednesday night because he would have basically been given grief for the Rashford free kick, which two goalkeepers on the step ladder would have had trouble um, keeping <laughs> out. Yeah, i was really, really pleased for him. Really pleased.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, the grief is is definitely pointed in the wrong direction there with him because uh it's been a transition completely pretty much a completely new back line for him. Uh, you know, new players coming in. It's it's a different world this season, without a doubt. Um but if Ben Foster would have scored, I swear, I would have <laughs> it would have been end of days at that point. That I mean, as if he didn't already have the day of his life to just add that would have been ridiculous. But Keppa doing Kepa
3: things. He, he went up Ben Foster as, as the final whistle went, which was immediately after that chance went wide. Ben Foster went over and hugged Keppa right after Dave did. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, man, he, he probably was so sure that was going in and like, just wanted to pay respect. Cause
1: game, respect game.
3: Yeah. Ben Foster had a, the day of his life and then almost like capped it with the most ridiculous moment. Um, and, and he his post-match interview was even like, you know, I think we started pretty poorly. And I was like, yeah, no shit. You guys were under the cosh forever. We dominated that game. It was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, really great moment from Kepa. I think he it's those kind of moments. I think we remember um, a former snakish goalkeeper making a save against Sunderland that kept our winning streak alive back in uh, Conte's first season. And you could tell that kind of moment, Clayton, can really make a goalkeeper, you know, stand out within a team to, you know, to have that kind of game saving uh, moment. So I'm, I'm really pleased for him.
2: Yeah. I mean, it it was just a great thing that he made the save roared after making the save. And then the final whistle went roared again. Um, And yeah, I mean, the, the, the photograph of Ben Foster hugging Kepa's actually made it on the back pages of a couple of uh, newspapers here. It was a lovely moment, but it's a goalkeepers union. You know, you might, I mean, the fact is that Ben Foster had one of those games, and I, I sort of used this description, that if you drive a bus at him, he'll push it around the post. You know, it's one of those games <laughs> where nothing's going to go in. The save from Pulisic was just bonkers. ridiculous. It was yeah. just ridiculous. Um, I'm just really pleased for Keppa because, as I say, you know, he's, he's had so much bad publicity, and that will just remind people of what we've got.
0: Yes, we have a gem in Kepa. And he's a great guy. Uh, All right, so back to Dan of the Match. uh, As we talk about the heroics of Kepa, Dan, how did you... you, He's not in here. He's not, (laughs) no. Uh,
1: Zuma Plisic, Jorginho, Kovacic, no surprise. With almost 50% of the vote, Kovacic as a man of the match, Dan of the Match. So, Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Well, you quickly swept that under the rug. So we'll move on to the Premier League table as we wrap this up. As it stands, I'm looking at the clock. 42nd minute, Everton 0, Tottenham 0. So the table at this point in time is Liverpool on top with 31 points, Man City second with 25, Leicester City winning this morning, going back up into third, which we held for a short time on 23 points, Chelsea on 23 points in fourth, Arsenal dropping points at Wolves in 5th on 17. Uh, Some notable mentions. Sheffield United, 6th place, 16 points. Bournemouth, relegation battlers last season, 7th place, 16 points. Brighton, relegation battlers, 15 points in 8th. Palace, ninth, United, 10th. Wolves, 11th. West Ham, 12th. Spurs, 13th. But they could jump up to the top 10 if, if they win this one. Burnley, 14th, Newcastle, 15th, Villa, 16th, Everton, 17th, Southampton, 18th, Norwich, 19th, Watford, 20th. What a silly table. I believe, Dan, you said the table doesn't mean anything until January. We're getting there. It's starting no, to shake I, I out mean, a little bit.
1: For for United and Tottenham, who are closer to Watford than they are to us on the table, at, uh not not a good look for some uh, teams that we would typically consider top six yeah
3: we, we had a we had a moment yesterday Brandon that right before we started Liverpool <sighs> yeah. were losing city had just gone ahead which you know I I think you know say what you want I mean they're probably still the biggest threat to Liverpool um and Arsenal had just drawn to uh to wolves and it was like the perfect storm. For us to just go take points and, and keep moving, get, Arsenal dropping points was the huge story of yesterday. Because now we're six points clear of them uh, in fourth, and, and you know they're just a shambles right now. So I, I think it's it's been a really good weekend for us. Hopefully, uh, Everton and Spurs can draw. Yeah, obviously, super
0: disappointing to see Liverpool get the late ridiculousness that they did, um, but. You know, that's really not a fight for us at this point. It's good to see we are level with Leicester and um, right behind City. And they're starting to create a gap between, you know, 4th and 5th, 6th, 7th. So that's where we stand.
1: But here's the crazy thing. Next weekend, Liverpool City take Mm -hmm. on each other. We take on Palace. I mean, there's a wonderful world where we can, you know, be pushing potentially to be a top two side in the very short future. So... I mean, just things to keep in mind, like, you know, that we are not out of the realm of talking about competing for it. I think people don't want to say it because they want to jinx it or they don't want, you know, what kind of temper expectations, but like the feel good energy of this side, like crazier things have happened, Clayton, and I don't rule that out in the realm of possibility.
2: Um, I'm loving your optimism. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I just basically think that we are overachieving. This season, and I think we are doing brilliantly. I don't think any of us on this pod, any of your listeners, in their wildest dreams would have thought that after eleven games we'd be six points clear in fourth place. Um, I've always looked at this game of this game this season as transitional. I think anything we get out of this season is a bonus. Um, My hope for this season is by the end of the season we would have four homegrown players as first team players and that's going to happen and it might be five it might be six I don't know um but I'm not looking above in that table I really not I'm just <laughs> I'm just enjoying the ride I really am
0: absolutely and a ride it has been so much fun this season Clayton thank you thank you for You're coming very back welcome. and joining us it's always a pleasure uh, yeah, to our listeners Thank you so much for being with us, hanging out with us in this episode. Uh, We've loved it. Hope you've enjoyed it as well. Interact with us, email, social media, get in touch with us about this episode. Uh, quick turnaround this week with Midweek Champions League. We will be back for that one. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.